You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, where doctors, researchers, authors, nutritionists, and top health professionals share the latest news about staying well and living better. The information you hear today is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, but it's always timely, credible, interesting, and best of all, there's never a copay. Now, here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Okay, be honest right now. What hurts? What part of your body is causing you pain? Have you been to the doctor? If not, why not? Is it because of the hassle factor? Many people just put up with pain because the process of seeing their doctor is such a pain. That's why a growing number of doctors are stepping away from traditional practices. They're setting out on their own to offer a more personal, flexible form of medicine called direct primary care. If pain is a regular part of your life, Dr. Jared Wegman from Indiana Direct Primary Care says you are just the type of patient who could benefit the most with the doctor who's gone out on their own and is willing to break the mold. What direct primary care does is that we have a very simple model. We charge a fee for service. So it's a monthly fee where you come in, you get direct access to your physician, you get unlimited appointments, you have the ability to spend more time, meaning 30 to 60 minutes at that appointment. And we just have the ability to take on more than the regular primary care docs do these days that when they only get five or 10 minutes, we are able to take on root cause problems of things when people come in. We're able to take on multiple um, diagnoses at a time. We don't limit people to to two or three things when they come in. And that gives us an advantage and kind of reinstates that doctor-patient relationship that really should exist. Tell me when it comes to dealing with back pain and chronic pain, how does that flexibility and that personalized care make a difference? So the first thing is figuring out why they have back pain. And some of that's already been done. Sometimes they've had imaging done. Sometimes they've had previous injuries that have occurred. Um, But when we get to the root cause of why they have their pain, wherever that comes from, whether it be knee pain, back pain, whatever, uh, we can address it in multiple different modalities. We don't have the um, restrictions where, you know, spending a very short period of time where it's easier to write a prescription to send them out the door to cover pain. We oftentimes try to not just treat pain, but also try to figure out ways that we can make people more functional, ways that we can have them have less pain, ways that we can get them off medications. Um, And that oftentimes includes, you know, looking at their day-to-day life. What do they do day-to-day that we can adjust for them? What can we add to their services, whether that be, you know, massage therapy, whether that be physical therapy, whether that be chiropractic therapy, you know, all those other modalities trying to add in to try to correct some of the underlying things that are going on. Um, And then just from a day-to-day standpoint, being able to correct some of the things that, you know, further injure them or get them in those flares, so to speak, that that they get to, if we can lessen those, that's huge. When do you prescribe medications and how are those going to be used? So medications oftentimes are used in the acute setting, obviously, when people have severe pain and they can't um, overcome that and get to some of those other modalities. When, when you're back spasming, it's really difficult to do anything. And the chiropractors will tell you the same thing. If you, you can go to the chiropractor, but if you have a severe muscle spasm, oftentimes they can't do much. So mm-hmm. we may need to use medications in those respects, including, you know, simple things like heating pads, you know, topical Um, rubs, 
doesn't always just include pills. There are other options available to relieve those symptoms so we can further, or, or I'm sorry, go further in their treatment with other modalities like chiropractic. Understand. So I, I want to take you back to your training. Uh, since since back pain and muscle pain is such a, a big factor for people seeing their doctor, how much training do physicians receive about dealing with this problem? Is it adequate? So I think the new training methods are probably better than honestly when I went through training. When I went through training, we were literally in the time where pain was kind of added as a vital sign. And it was treated as a vital sign to a point where, you know, the opioid companies really pressed hard at moving people to, you know, the short acting and then onto the long acting opioids. And that sort of was the treatment plan for these people. It was said, you know, we're not trying to fix anything. We're just trying to make their life better by treating them with pain medication. So that was my training, literally. You know, how do we get wow. their pain down? How, what, what pill level do we have to, you know, sustain them at to get them functional? And what we realize now is that was a huge mistake. Yeah, well, I think we do. That's pretty clear, right? We, we've all kind of seen the problems that's followed that. So now in your practice, what do you find is the leading cause? What brings people to you with pain? What, what is their source? Probably 30 to 50% of the visits that we see in a primary care doctor's office at some point during that visit, they're going to come up with some sort of musculoskeletal complaint. Sometimes it's something very simple. Um, you know, they, they tweak something, doing something, um, and they're taking a couple ibuprofen and, and that helps and it's no big deal. But oftentimes it's, you know, as people get older, it's chronic knee or hip pain. Areas where they're not quite ready to do, you know, severe procedures like knee replacements, hip replacements, but, um, you know, maybe they've done an injection here or there, or, you know, maybe they've done some pain medicine here or there, but they, they've not really done anything to help from a functional standpoint. So a lot of what we do is in our particular practice, we have a gym associated with it. We walk them over there and we show them how they can strengthen the muscles around the joints to really help protect them. We work on stretching, which is a huge thing for people, especially when they have that stiffness in the morning with just you know general osteoarthritis or at the end of the day when they've overworked. Uh, the acute ones that are, are very short, you know, those are sometimes easier to deal with. Um, and sometimes medications you know, can quickly relieve that. But there, mm -hmm. most people that come in as you get older are going to have more chronic complaints. And those are the things we really want to tackle. Yeah. So uh, just on the, the point of medications, I think people are often confused. Is ibuprofen, acetaminophen, aspirin? What typically do you recommend? What seems to be most effective? So it really depends on the injury. Um, when we look at acute injuries that are uh, very minor and we suspect that they're going to be short-term, oftentimes we use anti-inflammatories. Um, those anti-inflammatories exist all across the board. There's a number of different varieties of them, ibuprofen, Advil, naproxen, um, you know, those sorts of things can work. We, you know, oftentimes there's a topical gel called Voltaren gel that can, can work really well as well. That's over the counter. It's just a rub-on gel that's very similar. So those type of things for those initial injuries. When you look at just chronic osteoarthritis, the data really shows that the anti-inflammatories long-term are really probably not best for those. Even though it's an inflammatory condition, the recommendation really is to start off with standard Tylenol daily. And we have to be careful with that because Tylenol is something you can overdo, but at the right doses, at a scheduled dose, people oftentimes, if you look at the studies, do better with just standard Tylenol scheduled two to three times a day than they do other medications. 
Just a quick follow-up here to that Volterran gel Dr. Wegman mentioned. It contains 1% of a topical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Don't expect immediate results, though. It typically begins working after five to seven days. But what happens when Tylenol or topicals aren't enough? What else can direct primary care doctors do for you? Are alternative treatments worth a try? Dr. Jared Wegman tells us what he has seen work for his patients, and you may be surprised at how much money you can save. We'll get to all of that as we continue our look at managing pain with direct primary care as we come back with more of the Health Call Radio Hour right here on WoWo. You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, your regular weekend appointment with top healthcare professionals, where every session is painless and we never keep you waiting. Now back to health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. One of the things we do on this program is explore how healthcare is changing, and that's what we're doing today. We're looking at how doctors following the direct primary care model help patients manage pain. These doctors typically don't take insurance. Most charge an all-inclusive flat monthly fee for a wide range of in-office services. It's kind of a Netflix for healthcare. The senior policy analyst for the American Medical Association has written that the direct primary care model doctors are free to spend more time with patients. They deal with less paperwork and have more professional job satisfaction. Dr. Jared Wegman from Indiana Direct Primary Care right here in Fort Wayne agrees. He says another benefit is being free to offer alternative pain therapies to patients who are willing to think outside the box. You know, in our practice, we do some non-traditional things. We do essential oils. There's some great essential oils, including things like CBD oil and, and other things along that path that people are open to those concepts. There are other supplements that you can take over the counter, such as glucosamine chondroitin. Um, is a great supplement, well-defined um, for people who have osteoarthritic joint problems. Uh, and then there's also, uh, you know, injections. You know, at some point, people get to the point where, you know, doing injections of a kind of a local anesthetic and a, and a low dose of a steroid can really help decrease the inflammation in those joints. That's one thing that you can't do often. Um, you can do maybe a couple times a year, three times a year. You know, that is something we can do here to kind of prolong you know, their joint life. And that comes at no additional cost as part of your, your, your overall inclusive model, right? Correct. So basically, any procedures that we do here are essentially included in the monthly fee. The medicines associated with those um, procedures, in this particular case, when you look at the steroid, it costs uh, around $15 um, for that particular medicine. But, you know, uh, most places that you'd go to will charge, you know, two $300 for that that same joint injection. So, yeah, that's that's a huge savings. I'm kind of surprised to hear the essential oils and CBD. I'd like to hear more about your experience with that and and how that really works for people. Because I'm I'm kind of a skeptic on that, frankly. You know, I really was too. Um, I was not trained in sort of what we'd call non traditional. Um, you know, medicine such as those things. But what I've found is, is everyone in our office uses these same things for, for different purposes. Obviously, I don't have, you know, severe osteoarthritis. However, everybody's had an injury where they've had, you know, pain or, or something happen to them. So we've all tried it and we all find benefit to those things. So it's, it's really not a matter of 
you know, we think it works. It's a matter of we've used it and we know it helps. So I would argue that if people are comfortable with things like CBD oil, um, that that is a very effective pain control. There are also non-CBD essential oils. There's an essential oil called Deep Blue um, that's got a variety of mixtures of things that also can help. Um, Again, the mainstay of treatment for people who have severe osteoarthritis and need a medication is oftentimes Tylenol. So routine scheduled Tylenol throughout the day. And then beyond that, I talk to patients about whether or not, you know, how bad their joint is, whether or not they would be open to injections. And at some point, there's going to be a need for an orthopedic referral um, for people as their joints just become, you know, um, broken down. And and there are other reasons, too. It's not just osteoarthritis. You know, people have knee injuries, whether they have meniscal injuries or uh, ligament injuries and things like that that need to be taken care of from a surgical standpoint, too, where they just need to be cleaned up a little bit. Those can be quick procedures. But again, we try to put those off to the very end because obviously with any procedure, there's a risk. Sure. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so when do I need to be seeing my doctor about pain? Do people go, do they wait too late or do they go too soon? So it, it, it just really depends. Everybody's different. I think when it affects your quality of life, when it affects your ability to do what you want to do um, in your daily routine, that's the time to go talk about it. You know, everybody's pain tolerance is different. You know, I'll see people come in here that, you know, don't look like they have severe arthritis on their x-rays, but they they oftentimes complain of severe pain associated with what sounds like arthritis. But I've also seen patients come in that are, you know, 80 years old that literally are bone on bone and, and they don't complain at all. Why that is, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Everybody's, like I said, pain tolerance is, is different and everybody's ability to, and how they react to pain is different. So come in when it's affecting your life. In the direct primary care model, um, typically I have access to you all the time, right? I've got, I've got your cell phone number. I can text you, video conference, all those things. That's one of the advantages I've seen described for the direct primary care model. Who really in the pain world is going to benefit most from this? So I think everybody, for the most part, because, you know, when you get to a point where if you are on medication therapy and you need refills, if you're on um, you know, essential oils and you need access to those, you know, being able to contact the doctor um, directly to be able to get those very quickly is important. Um, being able to talk about those increases or flares of pain, you know, what can we do to, to address those quickly? Because the quicker we address them, the more likely people are to get back to their functional status and what they're missing out on. So, you know, an injury at work, for instance, they need, uh, or an injury that doesn't happen at work or that, you know, that, that prevents them go- from going to work, whatever we can do to get them back to work faster, you know, everybody, you know, that's not independently rich needs a paycheck and needs to be at work. Yeah, there's a benefit to getting back on the job and getting back to life. I agree. So if I have to go for imaging and that kind of thing that's outside the cost that uh, I'm paying you for my subscription, my, my membership fee, is there some discount arrangement? How does it typically work in the direct primary care model? So, yeah, most direct primary care practices will have um, contracts with independent imaging um, places that exist around their towns, um, independent laboratories the same way. So you'd be surprised at what kind of pricing you can actually get for certain things. For instance, an x-ray, you know, here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, the independent you know, practice you know, runs about $95. That's with the x-ray and the read from the radiologist. There's not two separate bills there where, you know, in a normal insurance, it, that might run three to $500. Every direct primary care practice tends to have these independent contracts to help 
um, those that don't have insurance. But I will also say that you know some of our members do have insurance. They just have either really high deductibles or just can't and don't want to maneuver the regular health system anymore. They don't want to you know spend five minutes with their doctor. They don't want to wait you know two weeks for an appointment. They'd rather do this model and have their insurance. And in those cases, they can use that insurance at any imaging facility that they choose. So if I'm an employer, what role is there for direct primary care? So there could potentially be a huge role there. um, But for other small businesses specifically who have a hard time being able to provide insurance for their um, employees or they have pretty high deductible plans, you know, getting them into seeing the doctor can be difficult sometimes because of the extra cost out of their pocket. And then also the time frame in which they have. Most people work during the day and most doctor's offices are open during the day. So they right. either have to leave work or they're off work for those appointments. And the direct primary care model, we can do, you know, non-traditional appointment times, weekends, after hours, and uh, we can get people in pretty quickly too. So if People need to leave work for something, you know, rather than being gone a half a day for a you know, five or 10 minute appointment, they're literally gone for their you know, 30 minutes to an hour, whatever they need, and then they're back to work. Tell me about your experience. What's it mean to you being in this direct primary care model? How has that changed the way you care with patients? Um, I'm able to spend more time with the patients. I'm able to do everything that I want to be able to do and everything I thought being a physician and having that patient relationship would be. I'll be honest, part of the reason I'm a hospitalist um, on and, and, and did a lot of hospital work was because in that particular setting, there are no time frames. If I need to spend an hour with a patient in the hospital, I can, you know, and there's no limits to that. But I've also, at the same time, been in some of the other models where, you're literally rushed through, you're trying to see as many patients as possible, you're trying to um, you know, get people in and out the door. And what that leads to is, is just poor medicine, to be honest. There are certain things you can't address, there are certain things I want to do that I can't, and it's, it's very frustrating for not just the patient, but also times the providers too. The, the system is broken the way it is, and we need to care for people and do more preventative medicine now more than ever. And I think the direct primary care model allows us to do that. It gives access for patients to do that. And I think the more patients understand and realize that it exists out there, the more this is really going to grow. Dr. Jared Wegman at Indiana Direct Primary Care charges $99 a month for adults. That's roughly the national average price. He offers the most common generic medications at wholesale cost, and typical lab tests in the practice are offered at a deep discount as well. Again, pretty common across all direct primary care practices. What's the downside? Well, it's smart to have traditional insurance or Medicare to cover hospitalization, serious illness, or specialists. Now, in full disclosure, Dr. Wegman has won me over. I have become a paying member of his practice. I appreciate the more personal care, and I really value the opportunity to work in the gym with a personal trainer at no additional cost. And on the HealthCall website, healthcall.live, I'll post links to a national directory of direct primary care practices. That's a way that you can check and see, is there a doctor who offers this service near you? There are about 2,000 independent and direct primary care practices across the country, and that number is growing. We have more to come in our second half hour. Imagine you're not able to trust what you see, hear, or experience because you have schizophrenia. We'll talk with the specialist who says what Hollywood has taught us about this condition is all wrong. The Health Call Radio Hour returns in just a moment right here on WoWo. 
podcast by Federated Media.